Welcome to the Mar Experience Stories of Recovery. I'm Matt Sheb. In this episode, I sit down with Lindsay M., the speaker at our Celebration of Recovery banquet this year. Lindsay and I talk about how she's experienced a complete personality change through working the 12 steps. She explains that by participating in that process, she doesn't let go of her fears, but rather her fears let go of her. We also discuss what it was like for her to share her story at the banquet in front of many people who've known her from over a decade on the ground in the metro Atlanta area, carrying the message of recovery. I also wanted to mention this is our last episode before we take a short break for the holiday season, but don't worry, we'll be coming back on January 15th for season two of our podcast. Here's my talk with Lindsay M. Do you do, do you do talks a lot? like Around Metro Atlanta? Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, Mar truly did pick someone that is just a regular just person. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not a circuit speaker. I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm not, no one's flying me around, yeah. right? Like, I'm just a regular <laughs> person on the ground in Atlanta. Yeah. And I've been on the ground here for a long time, just chopping wood, carrying water, and helping people. Mm-hmm. I do speak quite a bit. But just it's just mm-hmm. like a little meeting. You yeah, know? right. Like people you know invite yeah, you, like yeah. come, come tell your mm-hmm. story. Okay. Exactly. I think you mentioned from the podium that you 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 recognized a lot of people there just from the rooms and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's cool. Oh, it was awesome. I mean, there's people there that one was. Really, I mean, there was like a dozen people that were there that were like that I've known my whole recovery. Yeah. With time, and they were like, we had no right. How exciting is it? We're like, ah, it's like a little like you know, meet up, you know, and some of them uh, were like so excited that, you know, they were like, we were just so grateful you were here. Um, some people were like, I had no idea till I showed up. And mm-hmm. this is incredible. I would have just never thought it. And and then a lot of uh, my friends that have no affiliation with, with Mar, quote unquote, right. but then again, it is a recovery celebration. Right. But uh, that have no affiliation. A lot of them came just to support me because they were just like, that is so cool. Um, so yeah, a bunch of people I recognize there just purely from rooms and meetings. I've known them for years and it was special. Yeah. A lot of them knew me since I got sober too. Wow. So how was speaking at the banquet for you? Well, the experience was, which was super weird. This is so bizarre to even share, but, um, I expected, I, when I'm speaking in, in Alcoholics Anonymous or Cocaine Anonymous, I found that those spaces are very sacred to me and, um, I'm, Usually it's as simple as I say a prayer, God, use me, let's rock, you know, mm-hmm. like let's just see, be honest and just be, see what comes out. And um, I rarely get nervous. And and I, I believed, I thought I knew, I, I really believed I would have been very nervous. And shockingly, I wasn't. It was weird. I was like, all right, God, this is truly the prayer that I said. I said, God... I don't know what's gonna come out. I'm cool with whatever. Just please help me not cuss. Just that's the that's uh, that's my request. If if anything, I don't just help me not to be too ratchet. Uh-huh. You know, like I keep me that. toned down. <laughs> um, and uh, after I don't remember much. You know, I mm-hmm. just kind of was like, here we go. I I don't remember much of because every time I speak, it's usually a little different because I never know what's gonna come out. It's one of those things where. It's actually would be easier if I was doing like a PowerPoint presentation, like I would have practice. But with when you're carrying a message and and you're bearing witness to the power of God in your life, you just have to trust God. You know, you just have to go up and be like, okay, I'm going to share what's ever on my heart and whatever the universe wants to come out to speak to you guys. And I don't know what that is. And if I try to control it to look good or to sound good, I could miss the whole opportunity of connection or relatability or, you know. I don't. I can't do that. So my experience was actually pretty, 
pretty interesting for me just because I don't, I just was like, here it is. Now, I would, I wish I could say that that just continued on, but it was about in the evening time where my mind started mm-hmm. to show up and all the, the thoughts of, oh, you didn't do well, did it, did all the self center. Like after, yeah, when uh, I got home that night, oh. yeah, I was like, God, it was my, the mind was kicking my butt, you know, oh, yeah, everybody's lying to you and you stink. And I was like, God, why does this, why does my mind do this to me? This is so silly. But I still have that. Yeah. I still have all that stuff. I did a, meditation review this morning and as writing, you know, everything down and it is wild to put it on paper and see like how how much is within us that's just not true. Mm-hmm. You know, and thank goodness that we have a process and we have people in our lives to get us redirected to reality and truth. Because if I believed all that stuff, I wouldn't be able to be with you. I would think all these things that aren't true. And I would be like, oh, you know, it's more separation in my life. Right. So I mean one of the greatest gifts is the ability to have inquiry or interrogation with my mind and my thought life. And that's like 10 and 11 stuff, mm-hmm. you know, where I actually get a look at that. I could talk to you about it and, mm-hmm. you know, actually get some sort of uh, a new angle, a new perspective. Mm-hmm. So that was my experience. The talk was fine. It was after yeah. the talk where the yeah, mind yeah. started to kick my butt. That's that's so powerful to hear you say that because we don't get to hear, you know, you never get, that's kind of like a behind the scenes thing, yeah, you know. Yeah. You go here and this, you're like, oh man, that person's on fire. They got it all figured out. Like yeah, they must. <laughs> 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 because we just, we're just there for the event. <laughs> Mark Houston said this long time. Mm-hmm. He was giving this talk and he said, anyone who thinks they want to do this has never done this. And I was like, and that's, it's funny because it's kind of true. It's like, no, but I'm telling you, it's really not. It's, it takes a lot of courage and bravery. Thank God for God. But I mean, I'm not like, yay. You're not excited when you get that call. It's, it's, I mean, I'm gracious. Mm. It's a tear. It's like, I'm excited and I'm gracious and I'm honored. And Mm -hmm. I do get excited because it's fun. I get to share with people things that no I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And if someone didn't share them, I'd have no idea and mm-hmm. I'd just be out there suffering. Right. So I get grateful for it, but there's a part where I'm like, and it's scary, mm-hmm. man. Like it's scary. It's uncomfortable and it's really scary. How about this? I had all these nasty thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. After the, the talk and they were my mind was kicking my butt. But you know what? I didn't really fight it or resist it much. You know, I was just kind of like, yeah, that's there. You know, I can actually be with it. I don't have to make myself bad for it or wrong for it. I can be in neutrality with the fact that, you know, I'm a human being. I've got fears. I get deeply insecure. I get scared. I care about how you think of me. You know, I've got the same things every other human being has, and it's okay that I can actually be with them and actually have some awareness to not identify with it completely now. After chopping wood and carrying water for years doesn't mean it removes all of it. It just allows me to be with it. Yeah. And not try to resist it, try to remove it myself or make, you know, ah, just kind of like, hey, man, of course you got that. It's scary. Mm-hmm. It's scary talking in front of a bunch of people. It's scary being vulnerable in front of a bunch of people. That stuff's scary. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. We, you go into an AA meeting, right? And there's like these signs and it's like, you know, live and let live and like let it go. And for years I was so confused on why I couldn't let it go. You know, my mind would just grip on something and I'm deeply insecure and I'm super terrified. I'm uncomfortable in my own skin. And, but I have to 
put on this representative going like, oh, no, I'm okay, you know, and I'm just, just it's no big deal. Don't let it be there. Go away. Go away. And the, the book and my experiences are completely in alignment. I can't wish it away any more than alcohol. Mm-hmm. The selfishness and self-centeredness, I have to have God's help. And I was highly confused on how to do that because I'm over here trying to, people are like, well, just let it go. I'm like, you're, God, that's smart. I should do that. And I can't. So my experience is, is I don't have the power to do that any more than I do alcohol. So, but what happens is the what the the process does is that if I am committed to the 12-step process and the third step, you know, where it's like I make a decision to go four through 12, right? Then what I have found through four and five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, the whole kit and caboodle, right? The whole thing is that I don't actually let, it lets me go. When I get in contact with the great reality deep within, with a connection with you, with getting, um, maybe it's being selfless, right? Something, it lets me go. Where all of a sudden this thing that was had its claws in me deep releases me, I don't release it. Like, I mean, just like, I mean, I've sat with so many men and women over these years, right, across the table, getting to know I'm going through this book or, or whatever. And at the end of the day, every single, I've personally, I'm sure there are people who have, like I don't work in treatment, so I'm sure they've met plenty, but I personally, just being a member um, of, two, of a few different fellowships, I don't, I've not met like an evil person. Mm-hmm. Every individual, the, the worst of the worst addict, alcoholic, including myself, they all know right from wrong. They know, you know, the golden rule. They know not to steal. They know not to lie. We know that that we know in deep within. That's the whole thing is that the 12 steps give me the power to carry out what's already there. Mm -hmm. That's already within every dope fiend I've ever sat with. It's not like we need to relearn how to be kind. It's like, no, you know, you've just been so driven by selfishness, self-centeredness, fear, delusion, resentment. You've been so encompassed and driven by self, your deep self that you haven't gotten to the great reality yet. Mm -hmm. And that's a big, I think, um, I missed that for a long time that, um, I believed because I've stolen from my parents, I've stolen money from them. Um, I have lied to people I care about. I've hurt people I've cared about. I've done things that I've always known not to do. And so I, like addicts and alcoholics start to question, like, what is the matter with me? Mm-hmm. Like, why do I do this? Or I'm like, yeah, well, if your brain's hijacked and your spirit is covered up, man, it ain't you. So the 12-step process, all it does is it starts to get you back in to give you power to carry that thing out. That thing in your heart, that thing that knows, that the deep knowing goes from your mind to your heart. We mm-hmm. need our minds to find a place to rest in our heart so it's not getting completely riled by wild stuff. You know, right now, the current, the, my, the newcomer I'm working with, she's in her 40s, she's got two kids, right? The, the individual who is, I think, has a year and a half now, or a year, I don't know, somewhere around there that I took through the steps prior to this was 22, mm. Right, two completely different, you know, demographics, age range, the whole nine yards, even different for me. Mm-hmm. But the thing that is so similar is, is all three of us have the same bizarre relationship to alcohol. Right, we have an obsession and an allergy, and we all have the same bizarre relationship <laughs> with ourselves. Right, meaning that, you know, you take it away, and I don't know who I like. I don't know why I always end up doing it again. And every individual I've ever met, I don't 
ever have to tell them what's right or wrong. Like I got a call the other day, this chick in a sober living, I take a meeting to it. She calls me, she's like, I just found a lottery ticket in a shopping cart at my work. What should I do with it? I'm like, it's great. How wonderful is that? Mm -hmm. She knows exactly what to do with it. And this is an individual who's been shooting heroin, smoking meth, and kicked out of the hat. I mean, just a nightmare. For her to call me and ask me what to do with this means she already knows. Yeah, right. She already yeah. knows what to do with it. So I say, I'm like, well, what do you think? Mm -hmm. She's like, maybe I should give it to customer service. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And she's yeah. like, oh, man. And I was like, 20 bucks is the best deal for integrity you'll ever find. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> you know? You're not going to find a better deal. And then guess what? The, the customer service takes a lottery ticket and says, uh -huh. hey, we don't have a claim. Here's You take the, the money and yeah. she splits it with her coworkers. Oh, wow. Right. She knew mm -hmm. when she found the ticket, she just needed someone to point her a little bit. And the more we practice that intuitive sense, the vital sixth sense, mm -hmm. The more that our true, oh, wow, that's where a lot of the cultivation comes from, where I start to deeply connect with myself and others, when I realize it was there the whole time. Mm -hmm. That's where a lot, that kind of shift has to happen. We need to have an experience with the vital sixth sense. If not, we'll only be guided by our five senses. So therefore, we'll only have what we came in here with, which is not sufficient. So we need to develop an additional one, which is our heart space, which is I know to turn a lottery ticket in. I know to be honest. And people know. So it starts with that stuff. But then it, it the intuition, when it wakes up, it's like it turns into I'm getting up in front of 850 people or however many <laughs> yeah. were there. And that's like, just tell me what to say. You yeah. know, and it's like, so then there's a level of surrender. And I might say all the wrong things or I might embarrass myself that comes along with that. That's something that's so neglected in our culture, I think. Absolutely. I, the, I'm... I'm so excited that you said that. It's just so neglected, right? The vital sixth sense is so neglected. The fourth dimension is so neglected. And chapter four talks about having a shift from the realm of the material to the realm of the spiritual. Mm -hmm. So neglected, mm -hmm. right? Because there's so many amazing promises that are in the big book, that are in the basic text, and that are as a result from working all the 12 steps that's so not mentioned, where I'm like, I take a meeting to this Real piece of crap, sober living. And it's awesome, though, right? Mm -hmm. It is so great. And they always give me crap about, you know, they're like, one time I came in and they were like, oh, you know, Lindsay, one time you're going to come here and you're, I'm going to take your car. And I'm like, you, better, you know, we're yeah. joking and everything. And this guy was like, you know what, uh, you know, so-and-so's promises are coming true. They just got a new car. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. I mean, that's incredible. I had... I've gotten in trouble with the police, so, you know, DUIs and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I didn't drive the first year, not year and a half I was sober. So I get that. And um, But I told him, I was like, man, the, the grander promise that the book gives that is highly missed, shift from the realm of the material to from the spiritual, is not that you'll get a new car. It's not getting a Mercedes or this. It's not needing one. Mm -hmm. Is I'm like, I promise you won't need it. it you could have it or take it or give it a lot. It's a new, neutrality. Okay, you get the car, great. You don't get the car great. There's a lot of focus on, I'm, I got a job now. I got my family back. I got this nice car. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, the fact is, it's even better because you won't need it. You'll be free with or without it. Because my life, I have come to find, which was I was told when I got sober. I've been told by all my my the spiritual teachers in my life and mentors. They always told me my life will exist in relationships. But I was still focused on the material, right? My life exists at my, my what I produce at my job and what my car looks like and my clothes and ta, 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 this external. But I really did find like 
after all the stuff, I was like, they were right. My life does exist in my relationship. So money comes, money goes, jobs come, jobs go, things change and shift. But the one thing that I have to have the relationship with myself and God and others, that's my life. Mm-hmm. Then show up in my car, you right. know. <laughs> it was like my life really shows up at my new office furniture. Like what? <laughs> yeah, like no, right. it doesn't. It shows up with your loved ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where it's at. But I'll sim with the newcomer and we were talking and they were saying, you know, I don't believe God was there when I was drinking. And I was like, oh, I get that. Why? And so we're just, I just want to hear what they're, I want to hear what they think. So they're talking about it. And then I I, I love, I work, I'm a, a female, so I work with a lot of women. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the women, I, it's a lot of them have kids. So I'm like, okay, well, let's look at this. Do you love your kids? You know, do you love them? Did you love them more at two than you do at nine? You know, no, I love them the same. I'm like, well, I, I believe my mom loves me just as loves me the same when I was seven as I was when I was 20 stealing and, or 16 stealing. And, tw- you know, I believe my mom loves me the same regardless. Is it possible that our the universe, our creator, you know, higher power, God, whatever, it's been the same regardless. We just can't see it. You know, it's like my mom loved me deeply, but I believe most of my life my parents hated me. They just didn't love me. All these things that weren't true, and I find out, God, I've been so loved. I'm the only one who missed it, you know. And I've never shared. I mean, even in my stories, my sister told me um, when I shared that amends I made when I have over five years, I've never shared that in my story. I've really? never shared that to anybody that, except in like step work, uh-huh. I've never said it out loud. She just happened to be there, so it was on my mind. But you know, for so many years, I couldn't connect with her because I believed something that wasn't true. Absolutely. You know? And I want to just go back real quick for people that weren't at the banquet to hear the story because that was so powerful about your sister, and you just referred to it. Um, so would you mind telling it again? No, yeah. I saw something through an inventory, which was that in the inventory process, we have to look at uh, where are we dishonest, right? So where is, is it possible I'm experiencing delusion in this relationship if I'm having some sort of resentment? Well, I saw that with my sister, I had a delusion or a lie, right? That was she doesn't she doesn't um, like me or want to be that close to me because I'm gay, right? So seeking counsel like a fifth step with that, and someone's like, "Is do you, wait what?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh my god, I don't, I don't even know if that's true." Yeah, right. So I go and I was like, I need to make amends to her. I've literally been cut off from my sister for so many years because not only did my drinking push her deeply, I'd made amends for. All the drinking I stole from my sister, I harmed her deeply. Mm-hmm. So I'd made amends for that. But one thing I could never make amends for was never allowing her, never allowing us the opportunity to actually connect because I had put so much self-centered fear, self-centered crap in between us. So when I went to her and said, Jen, I owe you an amends, I have put this in between us, my own fear, my own lies, my own self-centered stuff. I've never I've never been open to connecting with you. And she starts crying. She's like, oh my God, Lynn, that's all I've ever wanted. I've only ever wanted to be with you and connect with you. And she's crying. And she never cried in the other ones. But that one was like, dude, Lynn's like, I've all all I've ever wanted to do is love you. And you and because of my self-centeredness, because of my the delusions I suffer from and the fear, right? I've never been able to allow her to do that. So we had a completely new, I mean, it was a completely new experience, right? Just then, and with my mom, 
I made amends to her and she her request because most people, I mean, with my mom, she didn't have much when she they could not really afford any of the treatment stuff, but they dug deep on a credit card kind of thing. And any bit they had for a college experience for me was not there. Mm-hmm. Right. That was to lawyers, right, jail, hospitals, institutions. Right. <laughs> right. That's where all that went. <laughs> right. And uh, so her only request for the amends was for me to get a college degree. So you best believe for the next five years, it was my responsibility to make that right for her to make it right, was to get that. I don't care about a college degree. I don't like college. I've been trying for years, <laughs> failed three times, but it wasn't for me. It's wow. for her, you know, but I did. I mean, I met with these individuals and I truly believe it's hard to say that you've had an experience for the entire the 12 steps if you don't actually participate. So I just also made another recent amends uh, to... I should have shared this, but I for, of course it wasn't there. I was working with a newcomer about a year, no, six months ago. She mentioned she got in a car wreck with someone and she owed them amends. And you know what I realized? I never did that. Mm. I had never seen it. The woman that I got in a car wreck with before I got sober, I never made amends to her because I never thought about it. Why? I don't know. But you know what I did? I got on Facebook, started stalking the crap out of it, like trying yeah. to figure yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Found her and wrote the wrote the approach. Wow. Yeah. I really believe in in this the, this process. It's changed my life, and I believe in doing all of it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy crap, y'all! There's so much here because you have no idea what making these amends is going to do for you and others in the universe. You have no idea what it's going to do. And I imagine since you have so much experience doing yeah. that now, you've, you've you know, for 10, 11, how many years, 11 years, you, you've mm-hmm. gone through that process so many times that it's not the same. I imagine it wouldn't be the same fearful thing of like, oh, my God, how am I ever going to make this amends? Maybe maybe there's more of an excitement like, oh, good, there's something I didn't even know I was in bondage to that I can get yes. free of. Yes, exactly. Because that's the whole thing. It's starts to make a lot of sense with people when I, I we can break it down that simply, where I'm like, no, the bond, what does bondage of me look like, right? So it's like I'm in bondage of self and self-centeredness. Well, if I'm bound to me, meaning my, uh, my fears, what I want, what I think is right, why I think you hurt me, 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 I am identified with these feelings and I'm bound to them, then I have no escape from that. So Bill Wilson's like, well, we, you know, we saw it escape. Well, they're not, they're not, they're not, no one's chasing them. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's chasing us. Like it's, we're not on the run, but we're in the, totally on the run from us, but we don't know how to get out. We're literally enslaved by ourselves, right? It starts with the enslavement of alcohol, right? And that's what happens. That's what the external, that's like the, okay, now I'm enslaved by this alcohol. Well, we get separated from that. We're now we're enslaved by us. If we don't get slay, if we don't wake up and get free of that, we will all alcohol will always get poured back on it. My buddy Jonathan says, mm. if it's convenient, it's probably not a good yeah. idea that I must be inconvenienced, right? So, and it's hilarious because my creator, I believe, loves me so much. He'll like God will inconvenience me against me. All right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like me taking that big book study tomorrow for two and a half years. I did not plan on doing that. I didn't want to do that. That was my best friend's idea. I was there to help her, right? I was going to help her. But after three meetings, she was like, I don't, I'm not going to do this anymore. Well, then I'm now like, well, I can't leave these. I'm already connected to these Mm -hmm. people. Now I'm going. And then two and a half years later, that is highly inconvenient. Driving from Midtown to Lawrenceville is very inconvenient. There's nothing convenient about that. 
and currently it's it, it's continued, like whether it was because before Mar took a meeting to Ridgeview for three and a half years, nothing's convenient about going to Ridgeview when you're living in like Alpharetta, mm-hmm. right? Nothing's like, oh, that's really convenient. Mm-hmm. It's right down the road for yeah, me. Yeah, right. Nothing's been down the road for me, right? I take a meeting currently for the past year or so, year and a half or so, I'm not sure, a year or so, to the sober living in Roswell. I live in Buckhead, and you're thinking, well, that's not that far. Well, yes, in Atlanta it is when it starts at 7 p.m. Right. You know, it, it's, <laughs> it's very, a long time. Yeah. It's very inconvenient. Yeah. Nothing in me is on, you know, Tuesday evenings like, you know what I can't wait to do? Send Atlanta rush hour for over an hour. It's mm-hmm. going to be tight. Nothing wants, it has nothing to do with what I want anymore. My yeah. life is literally here to be an agent for God, meaning that I, it doesn't matter that I don't want to sit in traffic, that my life is grander than that. My people, my life, they don't let me be small. Mm-hmm. I don't get to be whiny. It's like, of course that stinks. But you know what? If you're not being an agent for God, how are they going to? No, someone did it for you. You have to. You've mm-hmm. got to experience God. And that's mm-hmm. how you do it. Inconvenient, self-sacrifice. I was just thinking about the convenient part again. And it's like things being inconvenient. That's where you, you, you almost by definition, you have to find God. <laughs> you, you have to, because like it, there's my way. And like my way is what separates me from God. So I need to go out, out of my way, be inconvenience. <laughs> right there. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah, it's that simple. It's and that I, simple. What's the general kind of sense of, that you've gotten of, of Mar over the years since you've been around? You know, the only experience I have with Mar is their graduates. People have graduated their program who maybe not graduated but went through, mm-hmm. uh-huh. <laughs> or just taking a meeting to their, you know, yeah. sober livings. You know what? I'm just going to say this. It was in, it, To me, it was in deeply inspiring that, you know, Mar puts on this banquet, right? It mm-hmm. costs them money, and they're there to raise money, right? Of course. Like, that's the whole point, right? Right, right. They do this huge event, but they actually ask someone that has nothing to do with Mar. <laughs> right. That actually has – the only thing I have anything to do with <laughs> – is the fellowship of ANC on Metro Atlanta and right. the world wherever I go. Right. All right. This is not for any other reason besides they deeply care about what's going on in the ground in Metro Atlanta recovery. Mm-hmm. That they are very clear that the message is that or where they're pointing to is the twelve step process, which is great. I mean, they could be like, well, let's boast and get some this big thing and this big yeah, thing. And right. they're like, you know what? Let's just they got someone who just Stays in the circle and triangle in Atlanta. Right. It's not special, glitzy, glammy. It's like this is just recovery. Yeah. And personally, I'm a fan of any recovery program that – because I think the most frustrating thing is when I meet someone because I'm the p- person who gets them on the way back in. You know what I mean? I'm not the first meet. I'm like usually the latter meet because rarely mm-hmm. does someone just pop into AA. They usually go through a detox or something mm-hmm. or a treatment center. Well, the most bizarre thing is when I meet someone and their entire thing that they learn in the past three to s- three months or whatever is completely opposite of what our message is. And I get so confused by that. I'm like, you would think if this treatment center, their whole point is to put you here, that they would have an understanding of what we do here. Because mm-hmm. it sure is not any of that. Right. You know, so I need you to set all that aside. Mm-hmm. But what's great is that if more genuinely cares about what are they doing over there? What are they doing? Because that's where they're going to go, right? When right. they leave this community, they're going to go to this fellowship and they're going to go do this. So how can we best get them prepared for the rest of their lives? Right. You know, not just like, hey, let's give you some cool education and mm-hmm. learn some stuff right fast here. Like, right. No, we need to. I think that's important. And so much, you just said something that Another thing I remember Bob Darrell saying that 
this isn't a self-management process. This is a self-abandonment process. And oh, yes. That's, you put it beautifully, mm-hmm. right? And I think that is one of the greatest misconceptions of like any sort of treatment program. Well, I'm going to learn how to do my life better. Or, and, that, and then they'll come to me and they're like, well, I've learned these tools. Like mm-hmm. I've got this list of assets now and I'm practicing. I'm like, wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. <laughs> you know, like, okay, we're going to, we're going to scratch the board right. here. Yeah. Because the whole point is that, is that you need power, that you need acquisition of power and you need a relationship with power deep within. Mm-hmm. It's that same thing we're talking about, that knowingness at the beginning, mm-hmm. that you can't will being good. You're too gripped in self and fear. So it's going to take you there mm-hmm. if we don't go through the process, which I, Love that you said that because it's not talked about very much. Yeah, It's yeah. just not. What's one thing you would pass on to people who are listening if you could? Okay, that's um, that's an interesting question. But it's usually I just, what I would pass on to anybody is simply this. If there is um, – if something you have heard as far as the disturbance of on the question of alcoholism, it would be the one thing I would – I guess is was it suggest – is that what you said? One thing I would suggest to people listening? Uh, yeah, yeah, or, or pass on. Pass on? Yeah. Okay, this would be the thing. Um, find someone competent in the big book. Go through it. Read everything. Anytime it says pray, pray. Anytime it says take an action, do that action. Anytime it has a question mark, ask that question. Turn the statements into questions. But do the entirety of the 12-step process outlined in the big book. And I've never seen anybody who has had a surrendering experience who's done that not have the trajectory of their life changed, right? I've, ne- I've just never seen it. So I'm saying do every single prayer, every single question, every single action, rigorous honesty, and see what happens. It's a that great, would be it. It's a great challenge. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. I'm like, yeah. it's a tall order. Yeah, it really but is. But then again, I mean, you're talking about those pr- these crazy promises, mm-hmm. like fear. People are like, we'll leave us. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, you know what? comes with a, you got to do some stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's real. And that's mm-hmm. why I challenge, like, not I challenge, but what people have challenged me to do is like, what if you did everything in here? Yeah. What if you participated in all of these teachings? What if you found out what people did, you know? The old timers or like the founders, mm-hmm. what did they do? Do that. Yeah. And I'm right. like, okay, I'll maybe do that. I'm just like these people. Do you believe you're, if you are this book, maybe you should do what's in it. Mm-hmm. I believe I'm this book, so I'm going to do what's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect note to end on. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I, we, yeah. Thank you for sitting with me. I just kind of got lost in it. Enjoyed talking to you. So appreciate it. Oh, no. It was my pleasure. I had yeah. a blast. I'm so grateful. I, was, I thought I was going to have to speak. And I'm oh. so grateful we got to talk. Yeah. It's yeah. So we much just better. talked. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, the perfect. best. All right. Cool. That's it for this episode of the Mar Experience Stories of Recovery. I'm Matt Shedd. Our executive producer is David Tate. Angela Edmonds is also a producer on our show. For more information on the disease of addiction, you can access Mars Recovery Resources on our website at marinc.org. That's M-A-R-R-I-N-C dot O-R-G. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you back here after the holidays for our next season, starting January 15th. <laughs>